At long last, some answers. Daniil Hunter kind of shows up to training camp. That and so much more on the Lockdown Vikings podcast. You liked it on three, one, two, three. You, like you are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, everybody? Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Locked On Vikings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I am your host, Luke Braun, and let's find some joy today. You can find the Locked On Vikings podcast wherever you find your favorite podcasts, whether it is any podcast listening app or uh, even YouTube or Amazon Fire and Roku. Just download the Locked On Viking or the Locked On Minnesota Sports app. And you can find Locked On Vikings within that. Today's episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. A championship team is about each player being a perfect fit. Same with your vehicle. So for the parts that fit. Head to eBay Motors and look for the green check. Stay in the game with eBay Guaranteed Fit. eBayMotors.com. Let's ride. eBay Guaranteed Fit, only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Vikings veterans reported to training camp on Tuesday, which gave us a whole bunch of answers to some of the questions we've been asking all offseason. Will Daniel Hunter show up? How's Brian O'Neill doing? All of that stuff. So we'll get into that as well as Daniel Hunter's entry into the Everyman series. You got to do that. Uh, and we'll also do another Everyman series, Jackie Chen. But first, let's get the big stuff out of the way. So Daniil Hunter reported to camp. That's the question. Is he going to show up? He showed up. He's here. Hi, it's Daniil Hunter. However, Kevin O'Connell did a press conference and said he does not expect Daniil Hunter to participate right away. Um, That sounds to me like the infamous hold in, uh, sort of a half measure, not quite as extreme as a hold out, uh, but also you kind of miss out on all the fines and stuff. You are there. You're not getting fined for not showing up, but you're going to say, I'm not going to participate till we get this contract figured out. Hey, this contract is still really important to me, but I'm not going to just like completely remove myself from the team. I still want to be with my teammates. I'm going to see the walkthroughs. I'm going to see what we're practicing. I'm going to pay attention, but I'm not going to do any, I'm not going to do any work. I'm not going to risk getting injured until my contract is done. And I think that that's the wisest move for Daniel Hunter. I said so on the Minnesota football party on Monday. Um, that, Hey, if he wants to get this deal done, I think just capitulating and showing up is a bad idea because you could get injured. And we, I mean, Daniel Hunter of all people knows how bad an injury can ruin contract negotiations when he had to get his second deal done and tried to renegotiate it while coming off of a a disc injury in his neck that kind of caused this whole thing to go down. We'll get more into that in the, the Everyman series, but if you hold out entirely, you get fined 50 grand for every single day that you miss. So every day that the contract negotiation goes forward becomes a more expensive thing. And let's say, you know, you miss 20 days of camp. Well, that's a million dollars. So negotiating for 20 days to get an extra million dollars onto your contract is actually not even worth it. Now you're just missing practice. So Holding in and trying to get that contract done is is good. Now, Kevin O'Connell said, hey, we've had great dialogue. We're, we're really trying to get something done. And it seems like, by and large, both parties want to get something done. This is not, you know, if you're going to demand a trade, you're not going to show up, right? Because then you're just going to get a new contract from your other team. Uh, and, you know, negotiating time doesn't even really matter. If you're, if you're going to say, nah, screw you guys. I hate everything. I'm not showing up. Like... Uh, a lot of players did do that. A lot of players did truly hold out. And we found out about all of that on Tuesday. Nobody for the Vikings. It's it's kind of hard to read. And Daniil Hunter is notoriously hard to read uh, because he just doesn't really talk to the media. His camp doesn't really talk to the media as much as everybody else's does. They're very tight lipped. Uh, and that makes for a very speculative world. You kind of have to guess 
Well, does it mean something that he followed the Jaguars on Instagram? No, probably not. But it sounds right now that there's more steam on a contract than a trade. If that's what you're try really trying to figure out, hey, is there anything on a trade? Nothing on a trade. A lot of interesting nuggets on a possible contract. And with hold-ins, they do typically lead to a contract. I think the only one I could think of that didn't lead to actually a contract was Roquan Smith last year. Um, you know, with the new CBA, things are a little different. The hold-in is kind of the du jour way to do a holdout, and it might mean some of the same things, but it's also, there. there is something good faith about it that's like, hey, look, I'm here, I'm in the building. If you want to talk to, if you want to go down and talk to Daniel Hunter, you can go down and talk to Daniel Hunter. He's right outside. Um, that's a little bit different from, yeah, he's holding out. He's actually not even in the state. He's working out in Miami, you know? That's a, a, a different dynamic when it comes to trying to get something done. So how long will it take to get something done? I'm not sure. But uh, will something get done? Also, you can't be sure. I mean, it is absolutely possible that somebody wakes up, you know, uh, George Payton wakes up and says, man, I really miss having Daniel Hunter on my team. Hey, Vikings, would you take two first round picks? Like that could happen, right? <laughs> like who knows what these guys are thinking um, in, a, in a strange rage <laughs> after an edge rusher goes down or something like that. Like that kind of stuff can totally happen. The, the situation is very much not over by any means, but the hold in to me represents a, it sends a message, whether Daniel Hunter intends for it to or not. It sends a message that is, hey, this isn't worked out. I'm not happy yet, but I'm willing to work. I'm, will, I'm willing to come to the table. He's literally has come to the table. <laughs> so whatever happens at that table remains to be seen, but he has come to the table and that's a step. Um, elsewhere, the Vikings told us or Kevin O'Connell told us that Brian O'Neill will not start the season on pup. That's huge. Um, he will not be a full participant, it sounds like. He kind of said, we'll see what he does, and we, I don't really expect him to be full go right off the bat. They have a quote-unquote predetermined plan for him, and they've said in the past that that plan has him starting week one. Uh, so we'll see. I don't think you, you are going to see him in the preseason either way, and that is something that I'm going to kind of reiterate a lot because people missed it. Uh, Kevin O'Connell said in a press conference in the middle of the offseason um, that guys playing in the preseason like that he sees the preseason as a more evaluative thing and not necessarily a warm-up thing he's going to use the joint practices for that and that's what he did last year the joint practices you get more reps than than starters typically do in the preseason so they use that as sort of their preseason that's where they really install stuff and warm stuff up and really get their their concepts down and they use those reps the way you used to see teams use preseason reps and the preseason is a an evaluative thing that is for who makes the team, who gets the starting job. So if you have a lock on your starting job, you're probably not playing in the preseason, especially if you're someone like O'Neal who's coming off of the off of an injury. Even if he's fully healthy, like screw it, just take your extra bit of rest. You know, you'll practice. the The interesting deadline for all of these things: Will Hunter show up? Will they have Brian O'Neill participating yet? Is those joint practices? If those guys are not playing by the joint practices, that's kind of the equivalent of missing a preseason game. Um, the actual televised official preseason game where guys are keeping score. I don't think that they care nearly as much. I don't think any of those guys, Justin Jefferson is not playing in the preseason. Daniel Hunter, whether he's signed a contract or not, he ain't playing in the preseason. Coaches will not put him in Kirk cousins. I would not expect him in the preseason. Um, it's just about guys with competition. So there, there's also that um, also some clarity on Andre Carter. He did get a soft tissue injury. Uh, so that was something that put him on the pup. We'll see where that uh, all comes down. Also, I should mention uh, Jordan Addison, full go, Lewis Seen, full go. That's what we expected. 
Uh, but Addison did miss a bunch of OTAs OTAs because of a, an injury he had in minicamp. That one's gone. Uh, obviously, no suspension or anything from the speeding deal. But uh, they, they did answer some questions about that. They kind of just said the boilerplate thing. You, you can skip that press conference when it comes to that information. I think we know what we're going to know about that. And if the Vikings do find him internally, I don't think we even are going to necessarily find out about that. And it won't matter to us at all. For what it's worth, they did stand by or, or the the coach speak version of stand by that player. Say, hey, you know, we know he made a mistake. We've we've talked to him a lot. and We fully support him as a player. You know, it's not he's in trouble and he's got to, you know, go go apologize. Or, like sometimes they can come off a little more angry. And that's not really what that press conference was. Um, but what you should care more about is that he had that. I think it was a hamstring thing. And that seems to be behind him uh, as well as Lewis seen, who was also full participant in OTAs. But when you're coming off an injury that's a compound fracture that's as gnarly as the one that he's coming off, then uh, it's always good to just quick check in on that and say, yeah, is he actually going to participate or not? <laughs> and, and he is a full go for the start of camp. So any new injury stuff uh, is something that is sustained in camp. Um, they also, for Chris Reed, so they, they don't expect Andre Carter to be out for long, and they also hope that Chris Reed is not far behind, which tells me that's probably an intermediate amount of time that he's going to miss. That's what it sounds like to me, but I'm sort of reading between the lines there. Um, I think that's all the major information that we got from the O'Connell and Quasi press conferences, and now it's just a matter of going into training camp. But really, this Daniel Hunter thing is, is what everybody's going to talk about. And so what I want to do is let's get to know Daniel Hunter via the Everyman series and get to know exactly how we got to this situation. How did we get here where... Daniel Hunter is renegotiating a contract every year and there's always a problem and people are getting sick of it. I'm sure there's going to be people in the YouTube comments that are like, why does he want to renegotiate his contract every year? He signed it. He should honor it. Blah, 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 blah. Um, I, I, that's a good enough question. Let's try to answer it. This episode of Locked on Vikings is brought to you by BetterHelp. BetterHelp is online therapy made easy. Joining therapy, if you're thinking about it or if you're maybe thinking this is totally not for you, it's something that you should definitely consider, but you got to approach it correctly. Um, a lot of people will just go right into therapy. They'll call the first person they find on a list. They totally won't jive with that person. And then they'll think all therapy just isn't for them. But there's so much difference between one therapist to a next. And that's kind of where BetterHelp comes in. It can be a bit of a directory for you. Something that can help you match up with something, someone that works for you and your needs and what you actually need to go for. And for some people, that's nothing. That's just maintenance. For me, therapy is... Going to the gym for my, my mental health. It's a maintenance thing more than it is uh, I have this failure in my brain and I can't deal with it without professional help, which I think a lot of people, especially older people, think of therapy that way. But I don't think that that's the right way to think about it at all. So let therapy be your map with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash on today to get 10% off of your first month. month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash on. Thank you so much for making Locked On Vikings your first listen of the day every single day. And a special shout out to all of my hashtag everydayers. Sound off if you can. Uh, I want to ask a question before we get into how did we get here with Daniel Hunter. I want to ask what makes a superstar? What is it that goes into a person from, from birth to superstardom? What creates that? What makes greatness? And I guess when it comes to making a superstar athlete... You can always go back into the early years of that person's life and find something. Um, I'll take you to the late 90s. In St. Catherine, Jamaica, a bunch of boys play around in the jungle all the time uh, like it's a playground in the, in the island jungles. Uh, 
it's, I mean, it's the late nineties, right? So all the kids get together and run around and it's not quite as supervised as we maybe have today. Uh, but among these boys is a young Daniil Hunter and they're going to go play a game near a pond and it's who can roll closest to the water without going into the water. Uh, and you know, let's get up and go fast and see if we can stop ourselves. Right. And if you get wet, you get laughed at, (laughs) uh, a young Daniil Hunter does get a little bit too close. And when he turns around, he sees a couple of little eyes, beady little eyes going over the water. It's a gator. <laughs> and he pops up and sprints back up the hill, running away from gators. Uh, that is the thing that if you ask him or you ask his parents, you know, hey, this kid grew up running away from gators. He was bound to be an athlete. <laughs> and maybe that is just the perfect terrain to generate a superstar athlete. When he was eight, his family moved to Katy, Texas. Uh, and there's another great anecdote that I got that anecdote from. Uh, it's in a Suhan article from a few years ago. That's like a profile on Daniel Hunter. I'll link it in the show notes. Yell at me if I forget. Um, he's playing with a friend in Texas and they're just playing some game of tag or something, chasing each other around. And he has this kid. Daniel Hunter has this kid in hell. <laughs> he's like juking and no matter what he keeps ke- keeping up and it's not you, you don't think that that's a particularly notable thing until you realize that the other kid is on roller skates and Daniel Hunter is not <laughs> and he's just keeping up and you're going okay maybe this kid's really really good at football it's interesting though as you go through I mean he's productive in high school he gets a scholarship to LSU he plays at LSU for three years Um, But if you remember, he was not particularly productive at LSU, and it meant that despite the freakish alien athlete that he is, he falls all the way to the third round, and then Andre Patterson and Mike Zimmer get their hooks in him and turn him into what he has become today. Um, His time in Minnesota has been, I mean, those first few years were very formative, but if you remember his first few years, he was also learning behind Everson Griffin and Brian Robeson, and he didn't really come out as a true starter until 2017. Uh, He was sort of a rotational player, and then after 2017, he really jumped out as as the superstar that he is, and we kind of learned that, and then in 2018, he signs that first contract. This is where we start to see the first seeds of what happens here. And I don't think anybody is to blame for this particular thing because they all had their reasons in the moment. And it's just a matter of how the world changes and how situations change. Once you fast forward five years later, everything's a little bit different. But that is a low contract that that objectively for what other edge rushers were getting paid at the time, for what other edge rushers were projected to get paid later in the deal, which is where we really see the problems. He signed a deal that uh, I, he probably could have got away with more if he really played hardball, but he didn't want to play. He was 21 years old signing this thing. He wanted to get his money and get out, right? I mean, you're, you're 21 years old and you're getting offered millions to play football. Yeah, I take it. Let's go coach. You know, and he's just excited to play and he's always been excited to play. I, I think one thing with Daniel Hunter that, people don't appreciate enough is how dedicated he is. Um, I think because all of the discussion about Daniel Hunter now for the last three years has been about what he's making, not what he's doing. I feel like we've lost a little bit of the plot there. I want to fast forward to 2020 training camp, a story, which I feel like a lot of people haven't heard the true story of, even though it's out. Um, You might've just heard what you heard in the moment. It was like the first or second day of practice, and I think he was on the blocking sled, if I recall, uh, or perhaps in just like a one-on-one or something. 
but unbeknownst to him, Daniel Hunter takes uh, an awkward impact on the top of his head. And what he doesn't realize until he wakes up a little sore the next morning is that he has herniated a disc in his neck. Uh, that means that, so in, in between all of your vertebrae and your spine, there are these little pads. And if you mess one up and you misalign one, it can cause really hard problems down the stretch. But there aren't any actual nerves there. All the nerves are in the spine. So it won't actually feel like anything until it has misaligned so much that it finds a nerve to irritate. Um, I, there is statistically... A bunch of you listening to this have herniated discs in your neck or back somewhere, and you have no idea. That's just the thing that happens. I'm sure a bunch of football players have them too, have no idea. It's a fairly natural thing to happen. Um, but with, or, or bulging discs or misaligned discs or whatever. But Daniil Hunter feels it as he goes to sleep and he wakes up and he's got a little crick in his neck. And it's a little sore. And he goes to Mike Zimmer and he says, hey, I got a crick in my neck. So I'm a little worried about something. You know, what do we do? And he says, oh, we'll shut you down for the day. We'll, we'll play it safe. And then Zimmer goes up in front of the media and says, oh, yeah, I got a little tweak. He's fine. <laughs> and of course, he uses the word tweak. Now it's a whole thing. Um, but that's really all it was at the time. And then every day it hurt a little worse and it hurt a little worse and it wasn't healing. And then suddenly you realized what this actually was. And Daniel Hunter had to get season ending surgery. That was an incredibly unfortunate timing because he had signed that contract uh, in 2018 and he, it was going to expire, if I recall, after 2021. So he wanted to redo that contract to start getting his better extension. He signed that 2018 contract when he still wasn't an entrenched starter, really. He had sort of had his semi-breakout year. Uh, and you could tell he was really good if you were paying attention. But he hadn't had, you know, he hadn't made his Pro Bowls. Uh, he, you know, he hadn't become the all-world, all-star that he is now. So he wanted to cash in on that, and he understood, hey, I had this neck thing, and uh, but I'm going to come back from that, and I'm going to come back, and I'm still going to be Daniil Hunter. Let's work out a deal that reflects what I am. And that was sort of the, the at least from his agent, that was the impetus there, and, and the Vikings were very much open to that. Hey, we love you, Daniil Hunter, and we, of course, appreciate what you're doing. Yeah, we'll, we'll come to that table. The problem was... We don't know, we don't have as much confidence in your neck as you do, right? And that's me speculating on this part. I'm, I'm sure uh, the conversation was, didn't, I'll, I'll paraphrase a conversation I think happened. So take this all with a grain of salt. But that's kind of where we're at now is because he was negotiating under an environment of coming off of that neck injury, the J.J. Watt injury, that, hey, this could knock you out for a whole nother year. Zedaria Smith had it too, Um you know, we have to decide what we're going to do. And so Rick Spielman came up with a Band-Aid that was basically, hey, we'll put all of you, we'll give you extra money. We'll give you another $20 million, but we're going to put it in a roster bonus that kicks in next year. So if you are unable to play, if your career is over, we're not going to, we don't want to have guaranteed money tied to you. But hey, if you play and you're on the roster next year, then you'll get all that money and it's fine. That creates a pretty big cap hit. And, uh, by that time, Kwesi Adolfo has taken over. Somebody that you don't really have as much goodwill with, right? Somebody that didn't draft you, that doesn't have the loyalty to you, but you're a superstar. But they're not going to pay you an extra dime. And that's what Kwesi does. He doesn't actually pay Daniel Hunter any extra. He just restructures that contract for the 2022 season. You get your roster bonus uh, in the form of a signing bonus. And now you have this weird $5 million deal thing happening now. So this has all been Daniel Hunter. This is the same 
impetuses before, which is the last time I truly signed a contract that was like a real extension and not some Band-Aid trying to buy time until a situation blew over. Last time I signed a real contract, I, was, I hadn't even made a Pro Bowl yet. I've now made several. What do we do about this? Um, and, and that's where the Vikings find themselves now. So what do we do about this is a, is a great question. Do you think that Daniil Hunter can still produce at that Pro Bowl level? Or are you worried that he's going to start getting old and slowing down? You'll have this old expensive guy, right? Which is the Vikings inherited a whole bunch of old expensive guys when Kwesi took over. So what do you do about it? It's an interesting conundrum. But either way, whatever resolution comes, I don't think it's going to be something that plays into the actual regular season. At least I hope not. But who am I to ever know anything like that? I don't think you should listen to my predictions on that kind of thing anyways. Instead, you should listen to me talk about somebody way, 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 way deeper on the Vikings roster in Jackie Chen, whose journey to football required a little bit of uh, tricky tricks. I'll explain in a second. It's great. (laughs) Thank you so much for making Locked On Vikings your first listen of the day every single day. Let's move on to the Jackie Chen part of this story. Uh, Jackie Chen's parents moved in 1994 from Beijing, China. They wanted to open a restaurant in New York City as young newlyweds. Very much, you know, a couple of young people coming into America with a with a, a nickel and a dream, you know? Um, and they'll open that restaurant and they'll, they'll grow up in New York City. They'll have two kids, Rita and Jackie. Jackie loved football. His older sister, Rita, was a swimmer, and um, that was what Jackie did when he was a younger kid. But he loved football growing up in the United States. His parents have no idea what football is. In China, there's there's basketball, there's soccer, there's not football. But hey, Jackie grows up a boy in New York City, an American boy, and he plays Madden a whole bunch. But as a kid, he gets dropped off for the, at the same pool as his sister, and he swims for like seven years. And it's just, hey, it's what your sister does, and I'm making one trip, and it's easier, and you can take after your older sister. Um... Eventually, he comes to his parents and he says, I don't want to be a swimmer anymore when he's in high school. He's a sophomore in high school at this point. He says, I don't want to be a swimmer anymore. Um, he's grown up. He's a big boy, right? I, I, I want to play football. I love football. I'm, I, I can play football. I want to play football. And his mom is like, absolutely not. <laughs> it's way too violent. It's way too dangerous. I am not putting you in football. No chance at all. But Jackie Chen was determined. He takes the permission slip that the parents have to sign for you to be able to play football. And he puts it in front of his waits until his mom's like too busy and distracted with something else and says, Hey, uh, we got to go on this field trip. Can you sign this? (laughs) And totally gets her. She's like, yeah, sure. Whatever signs it has no idea that she signed a football permission slip until two weeks later when she's like, Hey, you've been staying after school a lot. What are you been doing? And he's like, I've been at football practice. I got you. (laughs) I love that. There's all kinds of great stories um, of, especially with kids who are, uh, you know, the children of immigrants that aren't steeped in American culture. And when you come from a country that football is not as deep in your blood, I guess, as it is for Americans, like, like, like for me, I mean, I grew up, I was, I knew what football was before I had object permanence. But when you're not, when you grew up in a different country and you're coming and it's kind of a foreign land sport, you don't really understand the the passion that it can drive. 
Um, but when you're the kid that grows up and you have to kind of like that creates such a fun sitcom conflict and there's all kinds of great stories all over the NFL for people like that. He'll play offensive tackle in high school, but he tops out at about 240 pounds, which is just not big enough to be a tackle, but he's six foot four. Um, so it's, it's a, a weird way to play and he doesn't get a lot of attention from NFL recruiters. So he'll end up going to pace. It's a Division II school near where he grew up, so that worked out. Um, he's always kind of had this intrigue, though, because when you see a list of recruits, you see a list of of potential college players at D2 schools, the name Jackie Chen is going to jump out to you a little. It's not one you see a lot. So th- that may have ended up working to his advantage a little bit as he started to get the attention of people. But when he was a freshman, he was supposed to redshirt, and there were so many injuries on Pace's offensive line that he ended up actually playing um and he had a little bit of momentum but that momentum got totally wiped out when everything got unprecedented uh division two schools didn't have typically a 2020 nfl or a 2020 college football season um they struggled on the back end of that after the pandemic and he sort of got washed away in the shuffle But this is the part where you kind of have to understand how scouting works in the NFL. Most teams will not. They don't have a, you know, here's your your dozen scouts or however many. uh, And you guys are, you know, divide up the players. Usually it's regional. um, And a lot of the scouting that you will see is, all right, you have the whole Northeast. So you're going to travel around to all the Northeast colleges and you're going to find them out, right? And so if you were a scout that was, say, Northwest, you were looking at Montana and Washington and Oregon, if you were doing that, Northern California, you probably had no idea who Jackie Chen was. But if you were talked to Northeast scouts, and you'd be like, you ever, what do you think about that Jackie Chen guy? They would all be like, oh, yeah, that freaky looking dude from Pace, he's so interesting. And it's like they didn't know if he was good or not because he everything was kind of buried on either pandemic seasons or just being in D2. It's like hard to tell. But boy, he's six foot four and he's got this really interesting body type for an offensive tackle. And it seems like he's good, but we kind of don't know. As things tend to go, the first real exposure he will get is um, thanks to East Stroudsburg, which is a, a college that Pace played against. In Chen's senior year, there's a guy named Deshaun McCarthy that scouts actually did want to go and watch. And then they found the guy that he was going up. He was an edge rusher and he was going up against this guy. And Jackie Chen kicked the absolute crap out of him. And everybody's going, wait a minute. I was I was here to watch this dude that was supposed to be an NFL guy, but who's this weird looking tackle? What's his name? Jackie Chen? Oh, interesting. And they all kind of get wrapped up in it there. But here's the thing. Ultimately, his body type was not good enough to to be drafted. There is still this sort of issue of, you know, you're 6'4 and you're undersized and you're playing tackle. Is this ever going to work in the NFL? It's worth bringing him into camp and seeing what he's got. You know, let's put him in a one-on-one up against whoever you got at edge rusher. Put him up against Luigi Villan and see what happens, you know? Uh, But either way, to have gotten to this point required a little bit of creative thinking and a fairly unorthodox path Certainly not the blue blood. I went to a power five school and I got drafted in the fourth round kind of story. Uh, If Jackie Chen makes it any further than camp body, I'm going to be so freaking stoked for him because it will show so many kids all around the nation, whether they're Asian American or not, whether they're weird body types or not, whether they're at a small school or not, uh, that, hey, 
if you just keep at it, you might just get the right eyeball on your best day, and maybe there is a career to be made out of that. Um, tomorrow, I'm sure we'll have lots more news and stuff to talk about as practices actually kick up. I'll talk about what people maybe saw at practice. I'm not there yet. I will be next week, though. So I'll be traveling um, for the Friday show. So the Friday show will be a pre-recorded Everyman series thing. And then um, the... Next week, I'll be actually in Minnesota. I'll be reporting from training camp and stuff. So I will be talking to you about all that stuff. I hope you guys are all excited. I certainly am. Football is upon us. I will see you all tomorrow. And as always, Skull.